Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, here today with an update on a story we covered earlier this week regarding the voice actor for the original English version of Bayonetta, Helena Taylor, coming out and asking for players to boycott the release of the third entry in the series, which is imminent, primarily due to the fact that she had been replaced in the role for, as she claims, rejecting an offer of $4,000 in total to reprise that role in that third entry. Now, as I said in that earlier video, there were a number of reasons to at least have caution about these particular statements, one of which was she really didn't bring any evidentiary backing to what she was claiming. We didn't have any proof that Platinum Games had only offered her $4,000. We didn't have any indication of what she had asked for in return. She deliberately only referenced that as a decent living wage with dignity, that kind of thing. And so there were reasons to look at that and say, we can be sympathetic to an emotional appeal. $4,000 sounds like a very small amount of money at the front end. But in that video, I talked about what union scale rates were, and $4,000 seemed pretty normal for about a week of work, if that was in fact going to be the case with respect to Bayonetta 3. And I talked about a number of other things that I won't reiterate here. You can check out that video on this channel from earlier. But since then, a number of folks have come out, including some journalists that we'll talk about, and really added another layer of complication to what Helena Taylor has claimed. First and foremost, I wanted to point out that a number of people came into my comments and my direct messages and said, hey, she's actually on tape stating that recording of Bayonetta 1 only took four days and four hour periods for each of those days, or 16 hours in total. When if you're doing the math at home, that would mean that a $4,000 offer, if that was all that was ever offered to her, would have been a rate of $250 an hour. Obviously, I think for most of us, that would be more than a living or livable wage for us to make our way on. Now, I will give additional sympathy here for independent contractors rather than salaried workers insofar as, yes, that's a lot of money. If you can get that work, it's a great gig if you can get it, but you're not filling every hour of every day with that gig work. And so I can certainly understand needing a premium on your time. In fact, that's how lawyers work. We're independent contractors. We go and seek out clients and certainly a large portion of the business of practicing law is going out and trying to find people that are willing to pay you to provide legal services to them. So I am very sympathetic to that. However, you do have to keep in mind that in this particular respect, and other people brought this to my attention, Ms. Taylor hasn't actually provided voice acting skills, at least per IMDb here on your screen, since 2014 eight years ago. So when actually complaining about a given rate or complaining about what that rate might be for her living conditions, we do have to take into account that nobody would expect you to just be able to do one video game and be able to live for a year, uh, let's say, even though when comparing a similar kind of status for movies or television, we certainly see higher numbers for those particular roles. I couldn't tell you exactly why the market for voice actors is different, except to suggest, as I did in my earlier video, that perhaps these companies and the player base that plays video games aren't suggesting that the value of the voice actor is really moving the needle on whether or not they purchase these video games. You can absolutely hate that, and you can be, as Jennifer Hale has been, an advocate for increases in voice acting rates and potentially residuals, payments on the sales of the video games themselves, but as it stands right now, that's just not the state of play for voice acting, so it did seem a little bit unfair to throw Jennifer Hale under the bus, say her name in these videos and really say she shouldn't be allowed to sign as Bayonetta because that's my role. Uh, and so we have these two pieces of evidence that continued to kind of raise yellow flags, raise red flags. We saw this covered in various journalistic outlets, but 
I think a lot of people in the video game coverage sphere, and I want to be as positive as possible about this, have good instincts that look at a statement like that and say, that doesn't seem quite right. And they jump to their investigative responsibilities, including one, Jason Schreier, who we have discussed in this space uh, because he and I sometimes don't see eye to eye on the coverage that he brings to the video game sphere. But on this, he does seem to be pretty much down the line. Bloomberg put out an article entitled A Tense Pay Dispute Overshadows Nintendo's Upcoming Bayonetta 3. The former star of the Bayonetta series reignited an industry debate over fair compensation, which to me is not the actual main thrust of this particular article, nor what is being repeated in various places around the internet. But as Mr. Schreier starts out, a pay dispute between the creator of a critically acclaimed video game series and its star voice actor reignited a long simmering debate over wages in the industry. And as we just said, Ms. Taylor is not the most obvious voice actor to describe as a star. Certainly, she has been the role of Bayonetta in English as a primary piece of her portfolio, but I'm not sure that she has the same kind of star quality as other voice actors in the space. And that was one of the reasons that I said in that earlier video, it could be that Platinum Games says, well, if we're gonna pay this much money, we might look to somebody that we can rely upon better, that we like the tonal consistency of better, that has better punctuality, who knows, or that just brings more audience members potentially into the game itself. As is often the case in these sorts of disagreements, the details surrounding negotiations and casting for the upcoming game Bayonetta 3 are more complicated than what has been portrayed publicly, which, in fact, is exactly what we said was likely in that earlier video. The feud spilled out into the open over the weekend when Helena Taylor, the star of the first two Bayonetta games, said she would not appear in the next iteration, set to be released for the Nintendo Switch on October 28th. She posted a series of videos Saturday on Twitter accusing Nintendo and the game's developer Platinum of offering her a total of $4,000 to reprise her role. She said she rejected the lowball offer and asked fans to refrain from buying the game. If you're someone who cares about people, who cares about the world around you, who cares about who gets hurt, with these financial decisions, then I urge you to boycott this game. This is right after, as we pointed out in that earlier video, she says, you don't have to boycott it, but if you're someone who cares about people, you should. The video went viral, racking up more than 9.5 million views on Twitter. Taylor's story touched a nerve among gamers. Voice actors are beloved by fans, but fail to command anywhere close to what a Hollywood actor makes. Game actors have long complained of being underpaid and underappreciated. Some have said they receive little information about their roles until they show up in the recording booth. The industry operates in such clandestine ways that actors sometimes won't even know what game they're recording lines for until it's released. The tensions last crested during contract negotiations in 2016 when the union representing many voice actors, the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, or SAG-AFTRA, orchestrated a strike that lasted nearly a year. And we covered that in our earlier video as well, primarily because Jennifer Hale, the replacement for Helena Taylor, is a major light, a primary voice in seeking increases in voice actor pay through those union scales and union negotiations. Here's where the rubber hits the road. This is what's been reported on and is actually probably a little bit buried in this particular article, which is that Platinum Games very much disputes the way that Helena Taylor has framed the negotiations. In the case of Bayonetta 3, says Bloomberg and Mr. Schreier, the developer appeared to be determined to rehire Taylor, according to two people familiar with the negotiations, as well as documentation reviewed by Bloomberg. Here's where their accounts differ. Now, I want to take a pause. Uh, because the way that the earlier sentence is framed, I think is potentially confusing to people. And one of the things that I'm going to say at the end of this video, spoiler alert, I'll say it right now, is that just like we didn't have to take on faith what Ms. Taylor was saying because it was unsubstantiated and didn't quite pass the smell test, we don't have to take Platinum Games going through leaks to Bloomberg on its faith either. So what we see here is a sentence that says, 
we've looked at documentation. What does that documentation specifically relate to? It specifically relates to the fact that Platinum appeared to want to hire Taylor back. When we get into the details, there's an open question about whether Bloomberg actually is saying that they have seen these documents, that they want to do this. I do know Mr. Schreier has some tweets out there. Again, I'm blocked. Sorry, that can't make it into the video. But I know he speaks on this as well. And again, anonymous sources, anonymously sourced material, we do not have to take on faith as disputing what is a bald-faced statement from Ms. Taylor that we'll see in this article that that's a lie. Um, and so without that sourcing, we'll continue to keep our critical thinking hats on from both the Bloomberg Schreier side and the Helena Taylor side, because that's the appropriate way to handle the situation like this. Now, what do they say in terms of details? Here's where their accounts differ. Platinum Games sought to hire Taylor for at least five sessions, each paying three to $4,000 for four hours in the studio, which is the standard. Said the people who ask not to be identified because they aren't authorized to discuss private contract negotiations. So as we do, we take the anonymous sources, we take them with a grain of salt. We know that these people are likely internal to either Platinum Games or Nintendo. So we know they have a bias and a tilt in this to get out of what has become a PR crisis and to say whatever they can say that is most beneficial to their position. So we can 100% look at these particular sources with a little bit of an askance eye. That would make the total for the game at least $15,000, $3,000 for five sessions. In response, they said Taylor asked for a six-figure sum, $100,000 plus, as well as residuals on the game. Residuals being some right to a bonus related to the profits that the game made, the sales, however that would be calculated. Platinum declined and following lengthy negotiations, which we don't have more detail on from this article, took auditions for a new actor. Platinum later offered Taylor a cameo in the game, for the fee of one session, which she turned down, the people said. Now, interestingly enough, when you've got Helena Taylor going out there with statements saying their final offer was $4,000 for the entirety of my work in the game, that actually lines up with someone that is framing this particular negotiation to say the last thing that they told me is that we would pay for one session and $4,000 for a cameo, right? These things are always complicated, no matter how simple they might appear. And that's if I can give any advice in virtual legality, not legal, just practical, is something you should take away as when you see something that seems too simple, when it appeals to your heartstrings and you are sympathetic to that person's plight, take a step back and think about the way that this thing goes down because it's almost always more complicated than it might first appear. Now that Platinum game story, this is Bloomberg saying, we have seen documentation that suggests they wanted to hire Taylor back. That matches up with our knowledge of the world because the same voice actress that has played Bayonetta in Japanese is going to do it in Bayonetta 3. It seems like the natural state of things would be to have the same person come on. Now, you don't have to love $15,000 for the role realistically any more than you have to love $4,000 for the role, but we do have to hold people's feet to the fire to actually be as truthful as possible when they're making things like public statements and not just fighting for themselves, right? I think it's one thing to say, this is unfair. This is all I got offered. I'm really sorry I can't be in Bayonetta 3. The character means a lot to me, and I hope you're not too disappointed. But when you go and you ask for a boycott, that is an ask. That is a request designed to hurt other people. There are hundreds of people involved at both the Nintendo level and the Platinum Games level in getting a Bayonetta 3 out to Switch players this month. And certainly, you can come into my comments, you can come into the comments of the earlier video and say, yes, if this is so bad, we need to have that kind of pressure. And you might be right. But 
it is the kind of request that we have to treat very seriously because this is a person that didn't get what they wanted and is seeking to harm the company and everyone that the company pays for through the request that has been made. So I personally am always going to look with an even more critical eye for that particular request because there are so many people, so many innocent people on the line that have devoted so much blood, sweat, and tears to actually creating a video game for us. Now, here's where it really gets confusing. In an email, Taylor described this account, what Platinum Games says they offered, as an absolute lie and said Platinum was trying to save their ass and the game. She said she stood by everything she said in the video. I would like to put this whole bloody franchise behind me. Quite frankly, get on with my life in the theater, she wrote. Representatives for Platinum Games and Nintendo didn't respond to requests for comment. Hideki Kamiya, the executive director of Bayonetta 3, called Taylor's allegations sad and deplorable in a Twitter post. Now, I don't know if she actually said sad and deplorable in that particular context. I don't have Bloomberg linking to anything like that. Regardless, Taylor's comments resonated wildly, dominating headlines on gaming websites and even gracing the digital pages of TMZ. As if that is a big compliment. Several of Taylor's peers spoke out after her videos. Brian Deckard, who acted in Cyberpunk 2077 and Red Dead Redemption 2, said he was offered $4,000 to work on a non-union project for a big budget game. Sean Chiplock, who voiced three characters in the Nintendo blockbuster The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, said he was paid about $3,000 for that job. Now, these are very interesting. Look, I will tell you right now, I would not work these jobs for this amount of money. We could all only value our time ourselves. However... You look at some of these things, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild famously has very little dialogue in it at all, so it's unclear exactly what time this would have taken to make, and if we are not giving these voice actors residuals and equity stake in the sale of these video games because, frankly, the market has not borne out that they are of that level of importance to the sales of the video game, well then, $3,000 for four hours of work potentially is a really good rate for most Americans uh, and most people on this planet Earth. The Bayonetta series is beloved by fans and critics, but has never been a big commercial success. Beloved doesn't pay the bills. Not being a big commercial success is a part of this conversation. The Nintendo Switch version of Bayonetta 2, released in 2018, has sold just over a million copies, far fewer than many of Nintendo's other offerings. For Bayonetta 3, the acting costs were higher than other projects because the studio relied on union performers, said three people familiar with the game's production, which meant a minimum of about $900 for a four-hour voice session plus bonuses, which is exactly the scale we looked at in our first video. Prominent actors or franchise stars like Taylor usually make more. In her videos, Taylor mentioned Jennifer Hale, the prolific voice actor who took over the role of Bayonetta in the new game. I wish her all the joy in the world. I wish her all the jobs, but she has no right to say she is the voice of Bayonetta. I created that voice. She has no right to sign merchandise as Bayonetta. And again, this is where it gets a little bit too emotional for my consideration uh, when obviously if you are playing the role of Bayonetta, just like if you're playing the role of James Bond, you can sign something as that character. It's not owned by Ms. Taylor. Hale faced some vicious online harassment as a result. She wrote Monday on Twitter that she had signed a non-disclosure agreement and couldn't elaborate on the situation. I sincerely ask that everyone keep in mind that this game has been created by an entire team of hardworking, dedicated people, and I hope everyone will keep an eye open about what they've created. She wrote a few hours later, she retweeted a Twitter thread from another voice actor. If you only hear one side or part of one side of a story, you haven't heard the whole story. That's right. Jennifer Hale went out with a tweet of her own that basically said, I'm under NDA. Uh, you can't otherwise ask me to comment on this, which in and of itself was a bit of a strong position because as I have said in the past, I've said on Twitter, I've said here in virtual legality, 
Generally speaking, in a non-disclosure context, whether that's a separate agreement or a non-disclosure provision in an independent contractor arrangement, part of what's protected is the existence of that provision. Generally speaking, it's not great business to go out there and say, well, we have a gag order on all the people that interact with this particular software, even though the law recognizes the value in that proposition because you have hundreds of people working on something and there is a value in keeping various details about that something secret. So she says, I have an NDA. That is probably permission from Platinum Games, or if not, it's a very brave thing to do just with that much of a statement from Jennifer Hale. Clearly she was taking heat. And I have to say, I think it was unfair heat when if you're in Ms. Taylor's shoes, you know that you signed an NDA, or at least you claim that you signed an NDA in your statements just to have the audition and try to get the role in the first place. So you also know that Jennifer Hale, who you are dragging a bit in your videos, is going to be under that same protection and isn't looking to piss off the people that pay her bills. Now, in terms of Bloomberg, as I said, we don't have to take Jason Schreier. We don't have to take Bloomberg at face value. We do have some corroboration here, probably from the same sources. Here's VGC, Video Games Chronicle, saying sources dispute bait and a voice actor claims over pay offer. And they go over the Bloomberg article with a statement that says, sources cited in a Bloomberg report have now disputed some of the claims made by the voice actor, many of which VGC can corroborate via their own sources. Coming in at that, that was a per session fee. It would have been maybe four times, four times plus your claim of what was offered. And you may, you may be technically accurate in suggesting that the very last offer we made in respect of that cameo was for that $4,000, but you're clearly manipulating the message to have the best, most politic effect for you. Which all is all a long way of saying, I think we need to state abreast of these updates on stories like this. And as I mentioned in that first video, the very most important thing that people can do is they can take these statements, uh, they could listen to them, they can be invested in the various things that happen in the business of this industry that we love so much and these video games that we play, but we don't have to ditch our critical thinking hat solely for the emotion of the question, because chances are things are not what they appear if you're only ever hearing one side of the story. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you do enjoy these conversations about business and law, video games, technology, software, and more, please consider supporting the channel. We can't do it without support from people like you. We've got a Utreon and a Patreon built for that support. And if you don't like either of those options, just subscribing, telling your friends, sharing it in forums, and otherwise doing the things that YouTube likes for engagement is a very big help. If you did watch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.